You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. All right, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter number 1. Um, Pastor mentioned before, I guess I preach shorter messages than him, um, and I realized last week that it was only 24 minutes, so I don't know how long we'll be uh, tonight, but it'll probably be shorter than him. Um, I did realize, though, that he takes about 20 to 30 minutes, and then after he uh, is teaching or explaining something, he said, I said all that to say this, Um, and so I think I just more so say this as opposed to spending 20, 30 minutes and then saying, I said all that to say this, so... Um, we're just going to get straight to it. Um, Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start uh, in verse 18 here. Verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, A virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Tonight we look at no ordinary birth. Um, All of us here have a birth date. None of us remember that day specifically. Um, Many of us uh, were told, you know, maybe a situation that happened where where we were born, uh, what hospital, um, you know, what was going on, you know, at the the day of your birth and stuff like that. Uh, For me, I was born on June 20th, 1994. Uh, I was two weeks premature, and I'm still trying to catch up on that. Um, That was a joke about my weight, so Um, I'm still trying to catch up on that. but, uh, but I don't remember it at all. I, I was just a baby. Uh, but my birth, you know, outside of my family, it's, it's not really significant to anybody. Um, I'm sure we could go around the room and exchange birthdays or maybe stories of what happened and, and, and uh, where your parents were and whether you were firstborn or the lastborn or, or whatever it might be about your birthday. Um, and, and it's definitely special to you and special to your family. But there's no birth like the birth of Jesus. And really, it's no ordinary birth. Um, First of all, we see the sovereignty of his birth. Uh, Verse 18, we read, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. In other words, this is how Jesus Christ's birth went. This is what happened. Um, And so as we take a look at these verses here tonight, we'll kind of go through verse by verse and really break down the birth of Jesus and really the story and the people leading up to his birth. 
um, I took uh, Ancestry.com and I went on there and I, um, I checked out my DNA and I spit in a tube, which was really weird and awkward. Uh, but I figured, why not? You know, I want to see uh, where my ancestors come from, you know, where where we migrated to and, and different things like that. It's really fascinating, you know, all the uh, stories that you hear about different people and, and stuff like that. And so I was curious as to where uh, I came from. And I realized after I got my test results that I'm 75% uh, from Great Britain. Uh, and I probably would have guessed that. Um, I'm 13% from Norway. Uh, 8% from Ireland, Scotland, and Wales area, and 4% Native American. And I knew that I was somewhere from Europe, and I knew that I had a little bit of Native American in me. Um, but it was interesting to see, uh, you know, where my ancestors were from, you know, where, uh, where I guess I came from, if you will. Um, and as we read Matthew chapter 1, uh, we took a look uh, last week at Matthew chapter 2 and the account of Christ's birth there. Matthew 1 is another account. Uh, we started in verse 18, but verses 1 through 17 give the genealogies of Christ. That's, if you will, his ancestry DNA. Uh, and so we can't really test uh, those people's DNA or anything like that, but we have really scripture and historical references uh, to where Christ came from. And so we first of all see his historical pedigree. Uh, his father Joseph, his mother Mary, uh, would be those lines that we see. Um, in Matthew chapter 1, uh, we see the line of Joseph. Uh, now, as we know, Joseph uh, did not take place in the conception of Jesus. We know that it was through the Holy Spirit that Mary conceived um, Christ. And so verses uh, 1 through 17 tell of the lineage of uh, Joseph, uh, starting with Abraham. Uh, in uh, verse number 2, Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judas and his brethren, so on and so forth. We see that in the book of Genesis, if you were to uh, reference back there. But we see it starts with Abraham, uh, and then it works its way down to verse number 6, and Jesse begot David the king. We all know the story of David. He was a, a mighty man, a, a warrior, uh, the man after God's own heart, uh, a, a strong and a wise king uh, of Israel. And so we see here really a royalty um, in Christ's lineage through Joseph, his, his father. Uh, and then we see, of course, in verse 16, Jacob begot Joseph, uh, the husband of Mary. And so we see here the, the royalty in Jesus' line and the pedigree that he had. I don't think uh, I would trace back my roots to anybody who's, who's famous or anybody who's uh, of royal nature or anything like that. You know, throughout high school, people would say, are you related to Martin Luther King? No. Are you related to Stephen King? No. Just because we have the same last name doesn't mean that we're related. Um, but we see here really the pedigree of, of Christ through Joseph, uh, his father. And then we also see the line of Mary. So turn, if you would, to uh, Luke chapter number 3. And we see here the line of Mary, the genealogies of Jesus uh, on Mary's side. Luke chapter number 3, starting with verse 23 here. And again, as we know, Mary is um, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so this would be the bloodline of Christ. This would be where he gets his, his human DNA, uh, if you will. Starting in verse 23 of Luke chapter 3. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Hele. Now you look at that and you say, well, Joseph was Jesus' father, and Hele was the father of Joseph, but that doesn't make sense. We just read in Matthew uh, that Joseph's father was Jacob, and Joseph's father was Jacob. Uh, according to the Hebrew laws and customs, uh, women weren't permitted to allow their names to be put into public registries, uh, into genealogy 
cool tables. Uh, and so we see here that, that Joseph being uh, the son-in-law of Hele uh, would have had his name entered here. And so we see here all the way down, if you go really backpedaling all the way to um, to Adam. In verse 31, again, we see a direct lineage of David. Uh, at the end there, uh, we see which was the son of David. Uh, and then verse 38, we see uh, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. So we can even trace back all the way to Adam, uh, the first man. But we see a historical pedigree here. We see really here royalty uh, in Christ's bloodline uh, by way of Mary uh, and also by way of his stepdad, if you will, Joseph. Uh, and it's really fascinating to study through this, to look at all the genealogies. You know, sometimes you read your Bible and you're thinking, why are all these genealogies here? I don't need to know who begot so-and-so, who begot so-and-so, who begot so-and-so. But here it points very clearly to the royalty uh, and really the lineage uh, that Christ had in his family. Uh, it was interesting as I studied this uh, that Joseph's name uh, not really mentioned a whole lot throughout the scriptures, um, uh, the Joseph we know as Jesus' father, uh, but he was mentioned only three times as the father of Jesus. Now, we know Jesus uh, claimed to be and was considered the son of God, uh, but it was interesting to see uh, and to study uh, where it said that Joseph was the son, or uh, Jesus was the son of Joseph. Uh, we took a look earlier at Luke 3.23, where Joseph's name is omitted for Mary's uh, because of the customs that the Hebrews held and stuff like that. Uh, in John 1.45, Jesus has a conversation with uh, Nathaniel, who he calls to be his disciple. Um, uh, Jesus uh, sees him underneath a tree, and he says, I saw you uh, before we even met. And so Nathaniel saying, you know, this is Jesus, the son of Joseph, but later refers to him as the son of God, recognizing truly who he is. Uh, John 6.42 is the third reference uh, where Jesus is referred to as the son of Joseph. Uh, these people here didn't know who Jesus was. They just thought he was a man who was performing miracles and teachings and stuff like that. And so they referred to him as the son of Joseph uh, in their murmurings, not catching on that he was, in fact, uh, the son of God. And so we see here in, in the book of Matthew in chapter 1, even taking a look at Luke chapter 3, a historical pedigree uh, of Christ. But not only that, but we also see household principles. We see the family that, Joseph, or that Jesus grew up in, uh, the principles that Mary and Joseph had, even in their engagement as uh, what we would use. But here in the biblical times, it would have been their espousal or their betrothal. Uh, we see in verse um, 18, uh, it says, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And so during this engagement process, she was found with child. Now, for us, we get engaged, and then we get married, and then after that, you have kids. That's kind of the idea that, it, that would go, you know, how you, how you start a family. Um, similar case with uh, Jewish customs here. They would be betrothed and engaged, later to be married, uh, and then later they would start a family. And so Joseph here, finding out that Mary's pregnant, Mary's with child, prior to the completion of their engagement, prior to their marriage, takes him aback. And we see here in verse 19 that Joseph here is considered a just man. Uh, he's considered a just man. There's not a lot of people in the Bible who are considered just men. Uh, another example I think of is Noah. Uh, we all know how that story went. You know, the flood comes, everyone dies except for Noah and his family. And so being called a just man is very, very significant and really very special to be, to be, to be um, a holder of that title of a just man. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. And you can tell very much so what just men look like by the families that they have 
by their children even. Um, like Proverbs said, that the, the children would receive blessings because of the just man. But not only Joseph was considered a just man, uh, but we see in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 28 and 38, that Mary was considered uh, to be favored by God. Uh, now, God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't hold one person above uh, another. We see that in Scripture. But Mary received favor of God because of the life that she lived, uh, because um, God gave her the ability to carry Christ uh, in her womb. Uh, God gave her the ability to be the mother of Jesus. Uh, and we see here in Matthew 25, Jesus is speaking and giving a parable uh, about a Lord and his servants. Uh, and he says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then he says the phrase, Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Uh, Luke 16.10 also kind of attests to that principle. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And just by the principles of Jesus' teaching there, we see that Mary lived a life of faithfulness. Mary lived a life of stewardship. What would have it taken you know, for us to live a life that God would say, look, I'm going to bless you enough to carry my son. I'm going to bless you enough to raise Jesus. Uh, and it would have been an amazing, amazing thing to hear that. And uh, we can read uh, accounts through that in Luke 3 uh, and even in, in Matthew where it refers to um, Mary being made known that she, was, she would carry Christ. Um, and it was awesome uh, to see, uh, you know, the opportunity that she had to do that. But it wasn't an opportunity given to just anybody. Uh, and so we see the principles that they had that they carried out uh, amongst their household even before having a family. Uh, and because of this, because of, uh, of her being found with child uh, and the Jewish custom being a spouse meant that they were to be in legal contract. It'd be different from our engagement process, um, but the Jewish uh, culture considered the espousal or the engagement process as a term that we are familiar with uh, as very sacred. Um, they would, uh, with all legal and religious aspects, considered them to be married. Uh, if you look at verse um, uh, verse um, 18, uh, it says that Mary was a spouse to Joseph, but verse 19 says Joseph, her husband. And so it automatically assumes that they're married. It automatically puts them in the category of husband uh, and wife. Uh, all, all legal and religious aspects, again, viewed them as married except for cohabitation. And so this betrothal, this espousal, basically meant that they were married, they were in it, uh, for the long haul. Mary was considered the legal wife of Joseph. Because of this, Joseph felt betrayed. Joseph felt that the contract that he had with Mary uh, was violated. And so according to uh, the law, he would have put her away privately. And he said that, uh, or verse 18, or 19, I'm sorry, says not willing to make her a public example, uh, but was minded to put her away privately. He said, I, I want to protect my testimony, but I want to protect her testimony as well. Um, he knew that if she had violated this contract, this put betrothal process, uh, then he would have had to put her away privately. But a beautiful thing here is in verse 20, we see the timing of his dream. Uh, says, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. So Joseph is thinking about these things. I, I got to put Mary away because she's pregnant, because she has a child and we're not even married yet. Um, our time of espousal has not been fulfilled. Uh, and through this, I see that God's timing is always perfect. God's timing is always right. As Joseph was thinking all these things, the Lord came to him in a dream. Uh, it's hard to accept God's timing sometimes. It's not easy. Uh, you know, God's timing doesn't always equal our timing. Uh, if it did, then that would make us God, and that would make God human. Uh, it doesn't work that way. 
Uh, and so God's timing doesn't always equal our timing, uh, but it's a wonderful thing because sometimes my timing is messed up, you know. Uh, for those of you who um, perhaps are running uh, to a meeting uh, or to church, uh, you know, sometimes you'll find yourself running late. You know, you're not expecting to be late, and you're saying, oh, I'll be there in five minutes, you know. Twenty minutes later, you haven't left the house. Um, and so our timing isn't always perfect. Our timing doesn't always line up, even with our own desires. But God's timing is always perfect. Uh, and it was awesome to see uh, in verse 20 the timing uh, of Christ uh, or of God revealing to Joseph that, hey, don't put Mary away. Uh, she's carrying Jesus Christ. She's conceived by the Holy Ghost. And so we see here the sovereignty of Christ's birth, the family that he's born into, the pedigree that he has, the principles of his parents, um, and really the sovereignty of Joseph being stopped uh, from uh, putting uh, Mary away uh, uh, in that light there. And so the sovereignty of his birth, but not only that, we recognize the significance of his birth. Uh, what is the whole point of Jesus coming? Why was Jesus born? What is, what is the deal with Matthew chapter 1? Uh, first off, we see in verse 22 the method. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. This prophet would be Isaiah. Uh, verse 23 continues, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, or a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Um, we see in Isaiah 7, 14, uh, the passage there that it's speaking of. Therefore, the Lord shall conceive, or the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We see this prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years prior. Uh, and we see the method here that it was by a virgin, through a virgin, that Christ would be born. This would be God with us. We see that in verse 23 and also uh, in Isaiah, the word Emmanuel which, as we know, is translated God with us, that God would come in the flesh to be born, to dwell with us as humanity. Uh, in John 1.1, 1, 1, we see in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Any reference of the Word, uh, capitalized, uh, used as a proper noun, is referring to Jesus Christ. Uh, verse uh, 14, just a few verses down, says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we, so we see God in the flesh coming down, via virgin birth dwelling with us and so we see the method but we also see the meaning what's so important about the virgin birth why does it uh why was it important that this prophecy was even prophesied much less fulfilled we see the meaning his meaning for for this was a sinless life um romans 5 12 tells us wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned in other words, this passage is saying because of Adam's sin, uh, Adam uh, became, uh, uh, Adam's sin nature uh, was passed down from him uh, to his son, to his son, to his son. And that's why we all sin. You know, we can all thank Adam for that. Uh, but it's through uh, the male and through the, the one man, uh, referenced here in Romans 5, that sin entered into the world. And so everyone with a father, which would be all of us, uh, are sinners. We have that sin nature uh, because of our father and our father's father and our father's father father all the way lining up uh, to Adam. Uh, and as we know, Jesus was born by the Holy Spirit, which means that he bypassed that sin nature. Uh, Jesus was born not of man, uh, not of man's seed, but rather by the seed of the Holy Spirit. And as I began to study that, I realized, uh, you know, this, this really is mind-blowing, you know, that Jesus uh, was sinless because he was God, but he had no sin nature in him. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 tells us about uh, Christ's role as the great high priest. Uh, verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, 
Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Uh, in other words, this high priest, Jesus, is not way, way up there that, you know, we can't, we can't get on his level and he can't get on ours. But, but rather it says here, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now, Jesus Christ walked this earth. He lived among us as humans, but he didn't sin. And I read that and I thought, oh, that's so good. You know, Jesus didn't sin. And, and you know, we all know that because, you know, he's God in the flesh and he's 100% God and, and uh, he, you know, he can't sin uh, because he chose not to sin. And there's passages where he, he refutes sin with the word of God. And I was just like, oh, man, that's so cool uh, that, 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 that Jesus didn't sin, you know, uh, as I began to study this. And then I reread that verse. It says, yet without sin. It's not referring to Jesus walked on this earth and was tempted and, you know, he said no to sin and, and he rejected sin and, and he did, but he was without sin. There was no sin in him. He wasn't born with a sin nature like you and like I were. And we see really there the significance uh, of his birth, that he lived a sinless life. Take a look, if you would, at verse 21. As I read this passage, and, and I'm sure many of us have read this throughout the years and throughout Christmas time, even the birth of Christ and this story, uh, but this caught my attention. The end of verse 21 says, for he shall save his people from his sins. Jesus was born to die. We don't normally think about that. You know, we think about, oh, he was born and he lived a great life and he accomplished this and uh, whatever it might be, but Jesus' birth was so that he could die. Uh, his birth brought about him or brought him death but his death brought us life through christ's death we're given life uh, john three seventeen. often well, we quote john three sixteen, but we forget to look at the verse after it john three seventeen says for god sent his son for god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved that through jesus christ the world would be saved that through jesus christ i can be saved that through jesus christ you could be saved Matthew 20, 28, Jesus' own testimony here. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus' birth, Jesus' life, pointed to his death. That's what he came here for. Jesus' birth was no ordinary birth. After all, he was God in the flesh come down to earth. But the story doesn't end there. His birth was sovereign, his birth was significant, but his birth started a life that would be sinless and that would be perfect. Why? So that he can offer that sacrifice. He could be that perfect lamb to pay for our sins, to cover our debt. Last week, we took a look at the gift of Jesus and the gift that God's given him as his son to us. But today we look at his birth. And that birth is a gift. Or the gift of Jesus being born was a gift to us. But have you accepted that gift? Have you open that gift you know i don't think anyone would leave a gift unopened under the tree but many people live, leave the gift of christ sitting there waiting never to be open really rejecting his name take that gift jesus was born for you but he wasn't just born for you he was born so that he could die for you